You are about to experience the Jerry Banfield Show, originally recorded live at youtube.com slash jerrybanfield. Welcome to the Jerry Banfield Show. Thank you for being here for number six of my daily vlogs. I've seen a lot of conversation recently about mental health, and what I'm really excited to talk about tonight are my mental and physical health practices live. I am fantastically healthy, both mentally and physically. My life flows very smoothly. I have a life filled with fantastic relationships from my mother to my wife and kids to my friends and other family members. My life is really good. And out of the 37 years I've been on earth, from what I've seen, I'm currently at the best physical and mental health I've been in so far. My body has energy all day, every day. I can go for a several mile run easily anytime I want to. I am able to do yoga and fitness and my body feels great all the time. Now, all that said, just because I do it doesn't mean that's exactly what's right for you or what the, that you're wrong or something if you don't do what I do. I'm sharing these for the purpose of giving you an idea of what the whole picture of what someone's life that works really well, feels great, looks great, actually contains in terms of physical and mental practices. The first thing I'll say is that my practices are designed primarily to be preventative, to prevent things from happening in the first place, and uh, restorative, to take the edge off of things completely naturally before there's a problem that is overt and right in my face, so to speak. And I do have a set of reactive practices to help edge things down. So let's define what is mental health and what is physical fitness. To me, a mental practice is something I do primarily in my mind, and physical fitness is something I'm doing with my body. Now, this seems straightforward. However, mental and physical can't truly be separated. My mental practices empower me to do my physical practices and get me into doing them, and my physical practices help my mind stay healthy. There's not going to be much success that I've seen from just doing one and neglecting the other. It's very important to pay attention to the body's health and the mind's health. So let's start, I'll just go in order of my day and look back at today and yesterday at what I actually did. The last two days I've felt fantastic. Almost every moment I've been awake and the minor disturbances were fairly quickly put back into center and even served as learning or teaching moments. So when I wake up in the morning, when I first come to, as soon as I can, I start remembering and focusing on how grateful I am to be alive. That I've had many times in my life where I've been very self-destructive, tried to end my own life, and filled with violent thoughts. And every morning that I wake up, I am just happy that I even get to have another day in this life, happy that I feel so good, that I'm not hungover, that I'm not regretting the night before, that I'm in such a good place. So I usually spend five or 10, sometimes 20, 30 minutes in bed. It's my version of a meditation. As soon as I wake up, I start thinking about gratitude, how grateful I am. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In the simplest forms, I consistently just say, thank you, God. Now, when I used to wake up with hangovers and struggle, obviously it was a lot difficult to think that. So this is where your mental and physical practices come together. When you feel good physically, 
like I do almost every morning, it's much easier to say thank God for that. But even you can say thank God for the struggle that it may help me open my mind and change in a way. For example, if you wake up and you're physically miserable, you can say thank God for this motivation to get me to change whatever I need to change so that I can start waking up and feeling better. For example, when I the last hangover I had, I, I felt utterly physically and mentally miserable. I said, God, please, I'll do anything to stay sober. And I'm so grateful that the physical and mental misery I was in motivated me to be open and willing to do anything to not do that anymore. After I get out of bed, I immediately am up and often sit on the couch for a while and continue to wake up some more. Like you notice, I, I don't wake up in a hurry. I'm not rushing when I get up. I take some time to get up. I talk with my wife and my children and I have a little something to eat. Now let's get into my diet. My diet is a big part of my physical fitness practice. I went to a personal trainer and she said that your diet is 80% of how you look and your exercise is 20%. Now I was under the illusion it was at least 50-50 if maybe not more towards exercise. And I thought, why the hell am I working with you as a trainer when you're saying I just need to change my diet? My diet is huge in how I look and how I feel. I eat the way I do because I found that when I used to eat the standard American diet with lots of meat and animal products combined with added sugars, oils, and a bunch of added sugars, oils, and salt, that and ultra-processed foods, things that have almost no whole foods left in them, I found that my mental and physical health both suffered from eating that way. And that's why I consistently, especially when I get up in the morning, I eat whole plant foods, things like fruits and vegetables, nuts, whole grains, and beans. I usually will get up and have some fruit right away, like a banana, an apple, an orange, a peach. I keep a lot of fruits and vegetables in my house all the time. That way, whatever I'm in the mood for, I can just snack on. Bananas tend to be one of my favorites. If I have leftovers, it's often a whole plant food. If you'd like to learn about my diet, Read the book, How Not to Die. That was given to me, recommended to me by my Uncle Joe, who's been a general practitioner, family doctor for 40 years at his own urgent care. And he said he gives that book to every one of his patients on their first visit. I highly recommend that book. And if you want the newer version that's focused towards losing your weight, I would look at the book, How Not to Diet. They're both by a guy named Dr. Greger. He uh, does extremely good research. And the basic idea is you eat whole plants, things that have not been taken apart and processed, but you eat the whole banana, the whole apple, instead of drinking apple juice or getting a smoothie. You get the whole fruit and the whole vegetable, things like nuts and whole grains, and like oats, oatmeal, and beans. Beans are especially good for the dietary fiber in them and the nutrients they have in them and uh, with that diet i have looked back at how i used to feel i've eliminated at least 80 percent of my depression by the diet i eat because a lot of the depression i used to encounter was a function of what i ate and drank and by eliminating alcohol 
and eating a whole plant food diet, my diet and eating alone have eliminated at least 80% of my depression. At least. And uh, another time I am liable to get depressed is if I overeat on my existing diet. So just by not drinking alcohol or using any other substances that take my body down and by eating in a balanced whole plant way, I, I think you can eliminate almost all depression just on that alone. I personally am rarely depressed and if it does happen, it's rarely more than an hour or a couple hours. Let's talk about one of my key mental health practices I use right now as well. Because I, as you can see, use a lot of preventative practices like diet is preventative and diet can even, according to Dr. Greger, who's dedicated his life to how your diet can impact your health, According to him, your diet can prevent, stop, and even reverse most of, if not all, the top 15 causes of death. That's how powerful diet is. And when you think about your physical diet and your mental diet the same way, it's, oh my God, it's total bliss. So with my, with my uh, mental practices, I have, mo I think almost everything preventatively. How do I act today in a way that leaves me feeling good and prevents future problems I'm likely to encounter. If I'm like today, what did I eat? I ate one or two whole sweet potatoes. I roasted them in the oven for an hour and ate them. I had uh, probably five or six whole fruits and servings in terms of bananas, grapes, and uh, maybe one or two other fruits I don't even remember. I had vegetables. I had in the form of two entire whole raw red peppers with some uh, vegan taco meat and some hot sauce with some lettuce. Delicious, very filling. I did sneak a couple of chocolate coins in, a couple of tiny spoons of sugar, and a couple of cookie. I want some of those chocolate chips, vegan chocolate chips. I had a little bit of a sweet tooth, and my idea is. To, if I get something like a little bit of a sweet tooth or a craving, essentially do the minimum to satisfy it. Have a little bit instead of having a whole bunch. And not fight on willpower, but just kind of cave almost right away, have a little bit, and then back off. I also had some popcorn today, and that leaves me feeling full all day while giving me not that many calories and giving me a ton of energy. For my mental health practices, I consistently am praying preventatively, saying, thank God, God, please guide me. And when I have a minor disturbance uh, or even a major disturbance, I go towards prayer as one of my very first responses. For example, today I noticed my mind drifting a couple of times into thinking about what I don't want. Good mental health looks like this. You're consistently grateful for what I'm consistently grateful for what I do have, excited about what's coming to me, and I'm thinking about what I love, who I love, and what I can do to help. Bad mental health looks like what's wrong, who's wrong, how they're wrong, how I don't have what I need, and how the future is something to be afraid of. And uh, with me, it's about maximizing those good vibes. And then when the bad ones come along, admitting it and then going to work with prayer and the tools I have. So my mental health 
First mental tools, prayer, when I detect in myself, like today, I noticed a few times I was thinking about things I don't want and I don't like and things people should not do or whatever. And I detect, okay, my thinking right now is in the bad vibes category. No need to whip myself or any of that. I'm gentle. I'm like, okay, we're in bad vibes territory right now. This is where we're at. And I want to go to good vibes territory. For example, I was on the way to the bowling alley with my children today. They were just in the middle of screaming at each other and just being a pain to each other. My wife calls it growing pains or character building. And I, st I noticed I started to get a bit irritable. I started to notice my mind was suggesting things like I could yell at them or threaten not to take them to the bowling alley. And then I noticed fear coming up and, oh God, what am I gonna do now? Bad vibes. So I pray, please, you know, let, let me get into the good vibes. And I tell my kids, look, I'm feeling irritable right now. And I'm afraid I'm gonna yell at you or be mean and I don't wanna do that. So what I do want to do is I want to go to the bowling alley with you and have a good time. And one of the main mental health exercises you can do is get out of thinking about what I don't want, what I don't like, and what I don't want to happen, who's wrong, and admit that you were thinking that, but then switch it. Well, what do you want? What do you like? And if you're really in the bad vibes, you will find your mind goes almost... As soon as you go to what you don't want, you will almost automatically go back to, well, what I do want is for this person to stop. Like, that's bad vibes. That's bad vibes. You still, you need to learn what is good vibes. What is good vibes is what I love, what I'm happy about, what I'm grateful for, and what I appreciate. And you can have a very high ratio of good vibes. And, and then the bad vibes can actually be a useful teaching tool. And you can have a very small percentage of them. And that's what I did in the car on the way to the kids with my bowling alley. I made that mental switch. I was honest and I recognized I'm in the bad vibes. I spoke it out loud, which helps me. It helps my kids see, and I'm teaching them, look, dad talks about his feelings instead of getting taken over by them. And when I talk about it, it helps with another person. It helps me to make that switch because I can often go around and around jerking around in my head. But when I talk to someone else, it often helps me speak and move into that. So what I did today, my kids are screaming, yelling, being pains in the butt in the car, which they're six and three years old. That's what they do. They're learning. They're learning what not to do. They don't know what not to do like I do at 37. And I, as soon as I told them that, that I said, I'm irritable, I'm angry, I'm afraid of what I'm going to do right now. Okay, bad vibes, what I don't want. Now, that's the miracles when you make the switch. What I do want is to go have fun with you loves and enjoy our time together today and have fun at the bowling alley. That's what I want. And I really, really, really want that. That's what I want. So as soon as I spoke into that, I started to feel better. And guess what? The kids started to act better. Isn't that weird? And we all had a fantastic time at the bowling after, alley after that. Well, my daughter was feeling ashamed or feeling self-conscious that she was hitting two or three or one pin most of the time she was throwing the ball down. And I offered her comfort 
and she didn't want it. One of my mental health practices is I can always offer to help somebody, but if somebody rejects and doesn't want my help, that's okay. That means I've got more help I can offer somebody else. So that's a powerful mental health practice I have. Always, always, always shift out of what you don't like and don't want into what you do want, what you do like, what you're happy about, what you're excited about, always. Another one is, especially when it gets really bad, is I ask God, what do I learn from this? I'm convinced most of the time I get into bad vibes is because there's something for me to learn that I just am not getting when I'm in the middle of all my good vibes. And if I'll take the bad vibes as a sign that I can open up and learn and be more teachable, often they'll go away almost instantly. And asking, what do I learn from this? What do I learn from this? It helps things pass faster and it helps me feel better. My mental and physical health is so good that I can rarely have a full day being, even if I do what you might think of as get sick with something, I am not sick with it all day. I bounce up and down so much that for much of the day, I'm still in a good place. I still feel pretty good. And uh, most days I feel fantastic almost all the time. So today, after I went to the bowling alley with my kids, I had a friend come over and I didn't know exactly when he was gonna arrive. He came about an hour after I thought he was going to and I didn't get upset about it. I immediately recognized that, hey, I often run uh, behind and uh, this is extra time I can spend with my family. One of the big things I do for my mental health that helps me is I focus on the questions I ask. If you ask what's wrong with this person, your mind will flood you with what's wrong with this person. Bad vibes. If you ask what's right with this person, your mind will... F it, maybe at first it won't, but ask the questions you want the answers to. So I ask, what opportunity do I have by this person not being here today? And the answer, you have more time to spend with your family because this person hasn't arrived yet. So I enjoyed the extra time to spend with my family. Instead of asking, why is this guy running late right now? And then your mind getting, well, because he's selfish, he doesn't care about me. All those BS answers. What is the opportunity that I'm having because this person's not here yet? You get more time to spend with your family right now. You can do the dishes right now. How fantastic. Simple questions like that make a huge difference. Then I was playing, uh, uh, the guy I'm thinking about is James. We played an awesome Mario Kart stream on Facebook today. One of my best friends in this city. And you can watch our stream on Facebook. If you haven't watched this in proximity to the day, it's August 9th or something today. And you can just search Jerry Banfield Mario Kart on Facebook to find it. Or otherwise, if you've found it recently, scroll back. We had a great Mario Kart stream. I noticed at one point, he said uh, the word, I, I might as well just say the word. He said the word pussy, and I started to get afraid. I'm like, uh-oh. Is that, it's not something I normally say on my live stream. And I'm always very aware, you know, what... What words are kind of like, okay, you can just say this word all the time, like shit's pretty low key. And then what words are kind of like next to your curse words, like is shit and pussy or like those, 
are those in you know the lower tier and the mid tier like you know is pussy where's pussy at in the cursing spectrum where my videos might get demonetized and i started to have some fear come up and i spoke into it i said you know i'm and uh, I started to think of that and I acknowledged the fear. And again, what do I want? I want to have fun, enjoy my live stream. And just with refocusing and acknowledging the fear, I remember that there's another live streamer who says, you know, fucking pussy, like at least once every paragraph on his stream on Facebook. And he uh, he's doing just fine. He has a huge audience. So I, it's amazing if you focus your mind, your mind will bring the right memories in to support you. For example, the question like, how can I let go of this fear right now? A thought like that comes in. Oh, here's somebody else who says this word all the time. No issue for them, no fear for me. My fear dissipates, I continue having fun. I love these mental health practices because they're so damn effective. And it just eliminates so much mental suffering. And let's talk about some physical health practices that if you combine these, they're really effective. What is absolute torture is when you're pushing all these mental health positive shit, and then you're not doing anything to take care of your body, and your body's sick and miserable, and you're pushing all this positive mental vibes while your body's got all these negative vibes, and then you just feel this clash. Like, why is there... You know, why Why am I trying to be positive so much and it just seems to be useless? Well, that's the, what I found is I need to get to critical threshold in my practice where I'm doing so much mentally and physically that the predominant thing I'm putting out is positive. So for me, I have some physical health practices and mental health practices. We'll talk some more about the physical. So physical health, I consistently stand up or keep moving most of the day. For me, sitting around and sitting idle leaves my body not feeling nearly as good. That's why I stand up and I do these live streams. I consistently am walking around or moving. And to me, sitting is kind of a luxury, not something I do as often, maybe an hour or a couple hours, maybe three hours a day. Instead of at other points in my life, I often would be sitting down five, 10 hours a day. So sitting, for me as a minority, the majority, at least two thirds of my time is standing up or moving around each day. Sitting too much leaves my body feeling tensed and stressed. And the more my body feels tensed and stressed, the easier it is for my mind to also be tense and stressed. And the more my energy in my body moves around and flows, the easier it is for my mind to flow also. The more flexible my body is, the more flexible my mind is. The more healthy my body is, the more resilient and healthy my mind is. So one of the best things physically that helps me, there's, first of all, in addition to the diet, just not putting all that bad stuff in my body. I found that if I drink alcohol, my every single other thing I do, alcohols, if I drink alcohol, that's the absolute worst possible thing I can do to my physical and mental health because it's like a gateway into all these other poisonous, toxic behaviors. And I found seven years ago that I honestly could not stop drinking alcohol because I was believed the lie that alcohol leaves me feeling good when really alcohol just puts, poisons you, puts you in a fog so you can't really see things clearly, which seems like an improvement if you're miserable. But 
clearly in the long term is not an improvement. So I go to Alcoholics Anonymous every day to help make sure I'm sober. And today, for example, when I went to my AA meeting, I remember why I'm sober. I remember so many miracles I've seen in my life. I remember the day I had the liquor bottle in my hand seven years ago after going to AA like 90 days and I was smelling it and I was so close to drinking and I remember praying to God to stay sober. I remember thinking about what's my mom gonna think if I drink this and relapse and dad's died and you know her son is just this total shit show. Like, you know, it makes a big difference whether I drink this or not. It's not some little trivial thing, it's a big deal. And I found I can't have any kind of diet that I can stick to if I drink alcohol. I can't have any kind of positive mental health practice I stick to if I drink alcohol. So for me, the first key thing to do in my and maintain in my mental and physical health is to make sure I don't do anything to poison what I'm doing. And that includes being out, alcohol is like a very obvious way, but it also includes anything else, like being faithful to my wife is important for my mental and physical health practices. You know, not doing all kinds of other toxic behaviors like gambling, like even for me now, drinking a bunch of soda is something that is a toxic behavior, overeating. There's obviously degrees like drinking alcohol, big, huge, massive, toxic behavior. Drinking a soda, little tiny bit. Drinking 10 sodas, more significant. So obviously you can handle a little bit, you know, a little bit of, and that's where each of us has to find our own boundaries. Drinking alcohol for you may be a little tiny thing that's not a big deal. You don't go around thinking about the next time you're gonna, if. If you're an alcoholic like me, you have one drink, you're immediately thinking about when you can have another one. If you're like my wife, she has a drink and she's not immediately thinking about or needing another one. And that's where it's important. You, you gotta have a community of people that can help you get to know yourself and support you. For my wife, her family is there and her friends, that's sufficient for her. For me, it's my family, it's people at Alcoholics Anonymous, it's you all online, and uh, then it's my friends. And it's up to each of us to figure out what we need. For me, going to Alcoholics Anonymous is the number one physical and mental health practice that I have because that, for me, was the gateway out of the toxic world and into the good vibes. So I go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting almost every day. I take maybe a day or two a week. I don't go to one to kind of give me some contrast, give me some more time with my family, and depending on what's going on. If I need a meeting, I always get to one as soon as possible, but most of the time I attend meetings preventatively. Everything's going great in my life. Let me go to an AA meeting to see if I can help somebody else and make sure I stay sane and sober. My AA meetings have introduced me to a lot of new mental and physical health practices that have made a gigantic difference in my life. For example, the AA meeting I went to today, I thought about all the miracles I've seen in my life and that gets my mental and physical fitness just charged up where I'm full of passion, where I'm excited to live and uh, then I've got that to give to others. And the more I give to others, the more good vibes I give to others, the more good vibes 
I am left with myself. It's a beautiful cycle. So if you're not an alcoholic, there's a ton of support groups, 12-step groups you can go to. You might be able to immediately identify one. For example, like my mother, if she wanted to, she could go to Al-Anon, which is Alcoholics Anonymous for family members and friends because she has a son and had a husband and had other family members that are alcoholics. So my mom is not an alcoholic herself, but she could go to Al-Anon, which is for family members of alcoholics. It's very, The program itself is very similar to Alcoholics Anonymous. So if you have a family member or friend that's an alcoholic, but you're not yourself, there's a 12-step group very similar that you could go to. There's tons of different support groups. There's support groups for weight loss, for drug addiction, for money, for gambling, for sex. I find, I think if I didn't go to Alcoholics Anonymous, I would want to go to a different 12-step group. I find that's one of my, and it's funny I didn't mention it till so far in, but I, I, most of you watching know that I go to Alcoholics Anonymous by now. Unless this somehow in the future went viral and got out to a bunch of people that didn't know me. <laughs> I leave my mind open for possibilities. So that's one of my top mental and physical health practices that makes a huge difference in my life. And I'd suggest if, if you're feeling like so hopeless and frustrated, you don't even know where to start, a 12-step support group might be a great place to start. That's where I got to where I'm at now. If I could look back and identify one single action I took, it was a prayer to God to do anything to stay sober seven years in April 2014. God, I'll do anything to stay sober. Thought came, well, going to AA to be a part of the anything you just offered. Started going to Alcoholics Anonymous. If I could look back at my life and look at a single action I took that was the most helpful to my mental and physical health in the long term it was the prayer to god to do anything to stay sober followed by the action and the continued action of since then going to over 2000 alcoholics anonymous meetings spending over 2000 hours in alcoholics anonymous meetings in the last 7 years not just there to help myself but to also help others Another physical health practice, one I got from Alcoholics Anonymous, is massages, an entire body massage. The first time I tried this, I was about 90 days sober. I was about just desperate on the edge, needing to relax. But I didn't know how to relax without a drink. And I heard a lady in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting who said that she got massages. So I thought, okay, you know, I'll try it. I'll try it. Even though my mind said this is stupid, who knows what they're going to do to you in there and how much it's going to cost, it can't be worse than going to the liquor store. So just get your ass in there, go get a massage. And I got a massage and I relaxed and I got what came felt like words that came from God told me to get Tony as my sponsor, go to more meetings, about five Alcoholics Anonymous meetings a week and read the rest of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous I mean, these that those were very simple things you would have think I would have, you know, been conscious of anyway, but it took a massage, my body deeply relaxing. And to my for my mind to allow that voice of God, a guardian angel, my highest self to be clearly heard over all my other thinking. I get a whole body massage, no happy ending. 
not that that's wrong or anything. I'm in a monogamous marriage, so just saying. But uh, and that's the kind of things I was thinking about that I was thinking I couldn't get a massage before. So I get a whole body massage once a week. And what I find is it, le it helps me understand exactly what a truly relaxed and healthy state feels like. And then it leaves my muscles all relaxed. And from there, I find my mental health is much easier to be relaxed also. And then I'm drawn to even more practices that make me feel the same way. For example, today I went to yoga for an hour. Yoga leaves me feeling very much like a massage. And there, for example, if you're not comfortable getting a massage, I'd suggest try yoga if you haven't already. And I like doing yoga in a group in person. It gives me the, the fullest effect. I've also done some breathwork classes like Wim Hof. I find those are also helpful for changing my state and relaxing. But to me, I like doing a massage once a week, yoga two or three times a week, extremely effective for my mental health practice. A couple more things. I see we're at 32 minutes already, so we'll wrap this up soon. A couple other things extremely helpful for my mental health practice. I find uh, physical touch and connection with other human beings is extremely helpful. The loneliest times in my life is when I've had the least physical touch by others, and the happiest times in my life is when I was physically around and in contact with people the most. So I love the massage helps out a lot with that. I snuggle and hug my kids a lot and I give lots of hugs to anybody who's around me that wants one. I'll, I'll give a hug to a homeless person on the street. If they want one, they usually don't, but I've been in a few situations where they have and I give them hugs and I've never had any negative consequences on account of it. I give lots of people at my AA meetings hugs and learn to pick out who wants a hug and who doesn't a bit better. I give long, awkward hugs with anyone that wants one, man or woman, old or young, doesn't matter. <laughs> and uh, I find sex also is a very powerful physical fitness practice that leaves me feeling connected with my partner, my wife, and uh, also loving and appreciating my body. I find I, I like to have frequent sex every day or two because to me, this you use it or lose it and every, it's it's a wonderful way to connect with my partner and to enjoy that part of myself with the only other person that i've committed to enjoy that with whereas i can enjoy almost any other part of myself with someone else that part of myself is one of the few things that i've agreed to just limit that to my wife so i find that that is is very good and if you're single and if you can craft something healthy to do yourself where you're not feeling ashamed and guilty and uh, like you did something nasty, that can be powerful. Louise Hay says that masturbation can actually relieve and prevent migraines from happening. In her experience, in her book, You Can Heal Your Body. Another very powerful mental and physical health practice I do, well, it starts mental, but it gets physical. I do it in a combined form. I like to walk my dog while I'm listening to books. I find I like to listen to maybe two or three audiobooks a month and audiobooks that are intended to kind of open and expand my mind 
and teach me something new. So I listen to mostly nonfiction. I really like biographies and self-help, but I also do a little bit of fiction, especially if it can open my mind and give me some good perspective. I hear that leaders are readers, and I certainly find that myself, that my mental and physical health benefits greatly from all the books I listen to because like that book I just mentioned, Louise Hay, You Can Heal Your Body and Heal Your Life, those books that she's written help me identify individual practices I can do. For example, one thing I do that helps when I'm feeling a bit down, I'll look in the mirror and say, I love you. I love you. I love you. And to give myself that self-love, which makes it easier to accept love from others, it makes it easier to get back on positive vibes. A lot of these things I've heard and I'm sharing about, I originally got out of books. And uh, books make a huge difference if you look at them like, I'm, I want self-mastery. I love being, f- feeling like full of energy and in control of it. The only difference between anxiety and feeling great is focus. Anxiety is out of control, mismanaged energy. Being energetic and excited and motivated is the exact same energy as anxiety, except it's focused. It's focused mentally and it's focused physically. Being depressed, the only difference between being depressed and being relaxed, again, is the focus of the energy. And a lot of the books I listened, for example, depressed is focused on what's wrong, what you don't like, what you don't want, and relaxed is the same physical feeling focused on what you do like, what you do want, and what you're happy about. They're very similar, very similar. Another tool that helps greatly with my mental health is the language I use. Every single word I choose is important. For example, some people are complaining or speaking that I've started doing member only and supporter only chat so that you you can only chat on my YouTube lives and on my Facebook lives if you're a paying member. And some people have said, well, I can't afford to pay $5 a month to be a member. And I have suggested, check your language. I know no matter where you're at in the world, you can afford $5. The question is, What else are you spending $5 on? Or how could you bring an additional $5 into your life? You can afford $5. If you choose not to give me $5, then that's fine. But you absolutely can afford it. Being able to afford something is the mental mindset behind your spending money. No matter how broke I've been in my life, I've always been able to get the things I really cared about. And it's okay if my live stream isn't something you really care about, that's fine. But watch your language. You can say, Jerry, I choose not to be a member of your channel and I wish I could still comment anyway. I have the money to spend and I choose not to give it to you because I'd rather spend it on something else and I wish I could still talk with you while you're live. You see the difference between saying that versus saying, I can't afford it. You feel how disempowering it feels to say, I can't afford it. Versus saying, I can absolutely afford to give you $5. Hell, I could give you $500. I'm choosing to spend my money 
I'm paying down my debt and paying for my mortgage and uh, I would love to be able to chat for free anyway. Do you see the exact same basic idea has been communicated? The language used to communicate the idea though represents two different realities. One reality is of scarcity. Oh my God, I can't afford this. And it, it's nothing personal. I'm sure the same person saying they can't afford it is saying they can't afford a lot of other stuff. I look at it today, I can afford absolutely anything. Anything, I could afford to go to space and get on a rocket and go to space. If that's something I really want and I'm gonna pay for, then I better get to work on doing the work I need to actually make that into something I'm doing. I look at it that I could afford to get on a rocket and fly into space as a tourist if I really wanted to. That's how I look at it. Now you could say, Jerry, that's unrealistic. You couldn't really do that. Hey, it leaves me on the good vibes. It leaves me feeling empowered. And when you feel empowered, when you feel good, people are drawn to you who want to feel good. And I see so many um, incredible opportunities I never could have planned directly for that just manifest. And uh, the beauty of having your mental and physical health and your physical fitness at a level that feels good is you, you just attract more and more of the same. And then when you go down a little bit, it's very easy to correct back into what's normal. And an another thing that is a big help for my mental health practice is I have a commitment to speak about whatever is emotionally significant in my life. I find one of the most toxic things I can do mentally is keep a secret that I feel bad about. Even if it's a thought, now it doesn't mean I need to blab out whatever I'm thinking to anybody around. I've learned that the hard way. There's some things that are not appropriate to discuss immediately with my wife. When I have a sponsor, when I have friends, when I have other family members I could talk to first. It is important to be sensitive of other people's life situations. And uh, that said, I am willing to talk about absolutely anything that's going on in my head. And what that allows me to do is, that helps me get on good vibes because sometimes my mind presents things that I wouldn't want to actually do or tell everybody about. And when that happens, instead of whipping myself and say, there you go again, you shouldn't be thinking about that, that's so bad, you clearly aren't watching Jerry's videos and following them if you're thinking about that. Instead of doing that, I say, gently, is this something you'd like to talk with your wife and uh, your AA meeting and your mother, and your brother? Is this something you'd like to tell everybody that you did? Like, let's just, whatever I'm thinking about, let's say any kind of dark thought. Is this something you'd like to discuss with all these people you care about? Hell no. Well, why think about it then? Can we just let that thought go? Sure. So it's important to cultivate a gentleness with handling yourself. And I'm grateful that that's something I had to learn by example. And I learned that in AA meetings, watching people who are gentle with themselves and uh, sharing my deepest, darkest secrets with people in AA meetings that I knew were trustworthy. That's helped me get to this place where I'm gentle on myself. I, I mess something up and I say, I'll do better with that next time. And when I see negative thoughts come in, 
I say, God, can I get some better ideas, please? Can I please get some better ideas? So I've thrown a bunch of my mental and physical health practices out for you here today with the hope that if you can even get one thing out of this, that'll be fantastic. And you know, the best part is it doesn't matter if anyone else, I see that hundreds of people have already watched this while I'm live. However, the best part is I, just by telling you about all this stuff, I remember it myself. So the thing I'll leave you with, if you really want to cement your mental and health and physical fitness practices, make a commitment to teach others what you know. And that's where I've really rocketed into another dimension. I have a commitment on my YouTube channel, on my Facebook page, and less of a commitment on TikTok, but sometimes we go with that, and in person at AA meetings and leading as an example to my kids, showing my wife what works for me. I have a commitment to teaching others. And often it's not direct. I'm not sitting there preaching and telling my wife, because I did that a lot, and it's more effective if I just shut my mouth and do whatever I'm doing, and she looks and say, hmm, I like what he's doing there. I'm gonna pick a little something up from that and do it my own way. I found it's much better if I just lead by example, do what I do, and set with an intention that I'm going to teach others what I know. And by teaching others what I know, it reinforces and deepens what I'm learning because a lot of us, we get in our heads, well, I know that, I know that. If you can't do it, you don't know it. If you are telling me how to eat well and how to maintain a healthy weight and you think you know it, but you look in the mirror and weigh you, you weigh yourself and you're overweight and uh, your health indicates you're not eating that good, then you don't know it. And it often takes a lot of learning and practice and getting it in here and trying it before you really know it to the point where you're doing it. Anybody could tell you that's watched a bit of football, they could tell you how to play football, but the players on the field really know how to play. At least in the NFL they do on some teams. So teaching, having a commitment to teaching whatever it is you're passionate about, if you want to help people have better mental health and physical fitness, I have a commitment that I'm going to teach and I'm gonna teach by example. So my words simply communicate what I do. My words communicate what I do. That there's no difference between what I say and what I do. And that practice allows me, I'm always thinking any situation, how can I make a teachable moment out of this both for myself and for you know, how I can talk about this on my vlog, how I can talk about this on Facebook, etc. So thank you very much. My wife said she wanted to go to bed at 10. So let me turn this off now. I love you all. I'm so grateful so many of you watched this live. You can become a member on YouTube if you want to chat with me while I'm live. And you can also watch me, Jerry Banfield, same name. Search for my Facebook page. You can watch me. I'm live playing video games almost every day on Facebook as well. And I have a TikTok where I do shorter forms of this. Thank you very much. If you actually watched all the way through this, you're probably my mother. <laughs> and if, if you're my mother, I love you. And if you're not my mother, I love you too. I've created this out of love and out of hope that you can have the life of your dreams because I know it's possible for you to have a life that's so good it might be difficult for you to even imagine it. My life, if you look 20 years ago, the life I have today looked 
so good that I wouldn't even have been able to fantasize about it. I would have had to fantasize several steps behind it and then catch up to it. So thank you. And the only reason is because how many people have helped me and people have prayed for me and loved me. So I, I'm paying that forward to you as best I can here. Thank you for being here. I love you. You're awesome. And uh, I'll see you on the next one of these. Wow, you are one of the only people who actually listened to this entire episode. Thank you very much for going all the way to the end. If you want the best experience, go to my website at jerrybanfield.com. You can follow on Facebook and catch me gaming live there. You can follow on YouTube and catch the live stream recorded live. And you can join the Discord server where you can chat with me and become a member of the community at jerrybanfield.com slash discord. If you want to send me anything in the mail, such as games, outfits to wear, books to read, pictures to put up on my wall, I've got my mailing address on my website. I've also got a list of all the books I've published and the best YouTube videos to watch and all the games I've played on my website. I am so honored you've got to end this episode. I plan to have a new episode for you in another day or a couple of days here for you. I appreciate your time today. Love you, and I'll see you on the next episode.